<clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a real certified bona fide legend with us tonight. I have with me Stan Deo. And if you guys don't know about Stan Deo, you got to check him out. He used to be back on the Arch Bell Show back in the day, but now he, he's recently been on Tim, 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 Sam Tripoli's Tinfoil Hat and, and a bunch of other shows. But let me tell you about Stan. He was first to work with Edgar, Ed, Edward Teller on flying saucer technology, the development of it. Um, as an autodidact polymath, Stan's diverse background encompasses computer programmer and senior systems analyst research physicist, both formally and self-educated, marine architect, self-educated, advanced propulsion engineer for marine, air, and spacecraft, author of three books and six scientific papers, partner in Deo Enterprises LLC, website hosting, book publishing, and distribution for a company for the last 38 years, an amateur archaeologist in the Middle East, knew the real Indy Jones, and explored his digs near the Wadi HaKippah in the Qumran, Israel, discoverer of the biblical Garden of Eden in Tanzania, discoverer of Atlantis, May 2016, TV documentary television host for several shows on Tesla, Eye of the Storm, and a series of three highly rated shows on Channel 9 in Perth, Australia. UFOs are here, UFOs Deo, and you and the UFOs are back. University lecturer in 3D computer animation and graphic art, Bible and student in English, Hebrew and Cohen, Greek public lecture on world events, including the coming global economic collapse, developing solar-related crisis on Earth's climate, the UFO deception and its real intent, suppression of badly needed technologies, the destruction of America by civil war, followed by foreign invasion, his discovery of the biblical Okay, now I read all that. So I think I encompassed everything. Uh, and I want to welcome him to the show and, uh, and a big welcome to Stan. Thank you for joining me. How are you? Good, Robert. How are you going? Good. It's a real honor. Like I said, it's a real honor to have you on my show. And I, I get, for the audience, we're going to get into everything today from biblical text to alien deception to i mean everything and you've you've been you've done everything and you've encompassed everything in your life i guess what i want to start off by asking you first was like i i watched your show on tinfoil hat about um biblical prophecy and I, I thought it was really intriguing and how it plays into the alien deception and i can see that really happening so could you talk about that like what, what the alien deception is and where we're headed with that and and, and i guess it verified that aliens really exist and what kind are they what what, what, ex, what can we say really exists well if i forget one of the questions remind me um oh, sorry that's all right um yeah look i'm a student of uh, the bible and uh, not only of prophecy but of the the ancient writings and rituals and things and you know i've gone to the the, the uh, detail of studying the, uh, the the Old Testament, uh, even to the point that I realized that the Old Testament wasn't originally written in Hebrew. It was written in a number of other languages, uh, probably some cuneiform and whatever. But the the original, uh, you know, Torah, the first five books of the uh, Bible, were written before Hebrew was a formalized language, and uh, so that meant that Moses had to have another uh, way to uh, scribe these things. And I think he probably used cuneiform because. He was a prince in the in the court of uh, you know, the pharaoh of Egypt and had access to the great libraries there, which contained a lot of uh, cuneiform tablets out of the Sumerian you know valley there where Babylon and Sumeria were. So anyway, studying all these different things, it uh, gives you a rather detailed and interesting perspective on the uh, the truth of the Bible. Um, there are a number of other. Uh, cultures whose religions or history do report the great flood of Noah. And uh, that in itself was an interesting uh, study I did. Uh, we'll get to that some other time or later about what caused the flood and the evidence of it today that, uh, well, it, it buried Atlantis. But anyway, it's an interesting subject. The, the, the threat to us now, uh, coming to a head very rapidly, is one where a great deception is going to fool the majority of even Christians, if they're not careful. Jesus warned about this in Matthew, uh, Matthew 24, I think is where the warnings were. And he said, you know, you know they will come and say they're me and uh, they'll say, come to me in this secret place or in the desert. Don't believe it because when I come back, it'll, there'll be like lightning across all the heavens around the world. Everyone will know it's me and you won't have to go to a secret place or, you know, some desert place. So don't believe it. And why did he give that? Well, 
Jesus um, did a strange thing in the temple there in Jerusalem one time. Um, he was quoting the writings of Daniel and uh, Daniel lived uh, before Jesus did on the earth. And um, he talked to the Sanhedrin, the, the, the holy men there of, uh, of, of Jerusalem. And he said, as Daniel the prophet said, blah, blah, blah. And he was talking about you know, things that would come. Now, the, the, it was interesting because Daniel was not a formally trained prophet in the Hebrew tradition. So they didn't recognize him as a prophet, but Jesus did and, and anointed him as a prophet when he said that. Now, Daniel in verses, oh, in chapters, I think 11 and 7 are very interesting things. But in the discovery of this, I, I started retranslating Daniel and uh, say in uh, chapter 11, uh, several uh, verses there that were key to identifying an alien God that would come to the earth and an antichrist, a leader of the planet who would, who would honor that God, but not worship him. In other words, he would recognize him as a little G God, a super technological being, and uh, that uh, he would honor him. And in return, this uh, little G God would give the Antichrist of this age a power, weapons, knowledge, and things, everything he needs to run the planet and to get rid of the Christians and the Jews, um, because this being is going to be anti-Israel, uh, anti-Hebrew, and anti-born-again believing Christians. Now, to, to summarize what I found there in Daniel, um, this being coming from the skies will have super technology, will have weapons that will allow the Antichrist to use those weapons and destroy the underground bunkers of the mighty in all the nations. It, it uh, will be an absolute total control of the planet militarily. Now, this will come in a manner that most people who don't know better will say, oh, look, the aliens are coming and they're our friends. They, they want to exchange technologies with us and, uh, you know, um, and be our friends and bring our culture to, to a focal point for the development of the human race. And it reminds me of the, um, the movie back in the 70s called um, V, like V for victory, but that's, that's what it was for. But V talked about... I remember aliens the... coming. Okay, you remember they, that the real critters on these ships had, they were like reptilian. They had scales yeah. and they were like lizards, but they had a method of putting on an outer skin that looked human. So they came in peace, love, and harmony, landed at the United Nations on top of the building there and said, Look, we come to help you and uh, we're going to give you the technology and just guide you into the new age, you know, the new world. And all the time they were deceptive. They were these alien people, that, uh, critters that even ate humans. Um, and in Daniel, it spoke about this. Um, alien god who would uh, treat humans as fodder or, or food to be trampled underfoot even daniel says this same thing that was in the in the movie v now what is going to happen uh, very shortly is that we're going to hit a, a focus a uh, focal point of several world calamities uh, pandemics um global uh, economic crisis and collapse uh, you know very shortly uh, possibly some nuclear weapons used by Israel against Iran, um, and uh, earthquakes, uh, possibly some uh, meteor, uh, meteorites, meteor impacts on the surface of the earth. Um, let's see, threat of war. Anyway, there's about seven major crises, there's famine, uh, weather catastrophes, uh, weather climate changes that are just devastating crops. All these are coming to a head now. And when we have all these different crisis curves come together, people of the planet are going to be losing faith in their established political and, and dictatorial governments. They're going to say, you haven't done anything to stop or help this. You're, you're killing us. Well, someone solved the problem. Now, it doesn't matter what country we look at, whether it be uh, India, Russia, China, America, South America, each country has its own religious uh, structure, its own political ideas. So to appoint a world leader, the world leader has to be able to satisfy all these different religions and political structures that he is uh, without baggage. He is a, a neutral, fair, uh, dictatorial leader, king of the earth. Now that uh, that will that will be given to people when the alien presence is officially recognized. Now the Antichrist may be, do the recognizing of them, or 
the the alien presence may be officially announced and, and recognized and revealed by the existing world governments before he steps on the scene, whichever way it's going to be very soon. And you're going to see that these <clears throat> these UFOs, these reports of different kind of craft and beings and stuff will be explained and uh, they will say uh, the group that's the, the primary enemy will look to be the best guys, the nice guys. They'll be human, they'll be slightly taller looking um, and uh, they will come and say to the world, look people, we know that you've been afflicted by, you know, your own people in these uh, banking and global consortiums and stuff. We're going to take that power away from them. We're, we're going to get rid of them. We're going to give you a peaceful government that you can live in. And they, then they're going to say, look, um, you've been afflicted for 70, 80 years by little gray critters and their, their flying saucers coming and, and uh, kidnapping you and hurting you and you know killing you and that kind of stuff. And we're going to get rid of them. They're from another uh, planet or galaxy. I don't know what they're going to call it, but they're going to say they're, they're bad guys from another off-world location. And people you know, that uh, are, are frightened because of the collapse of the world government economies are going to say, oh, wow. Uh, these people come from a, a place that obviously they must have it all together because they can travel the galaxies and stuff and they got super technology and they get along with, with each other and they are protecting us from the uh, evil you know uh, aliens or off-worlders that have been here and are here at the moment so it's a win-win thing you know people are going to you know uh, say look this this antichrist and the and the alien god that has come with him has gotten rid of the illuminati and again it's as I say, if people aren't aware of the deception, they're going to say, say in the right-wing portions of the planet, they're going to say, look, these Illuminists have been uh, holding us down and afflicting us for generations, and boy, are we glad they're, they're gone. They've gotten rid of them. And so they're going to want to support this alien landing. And that's what we've got to watch out for. The, uh, that From that moment forward, when he's revealed as the leader of the world, that individual will start the count uh, for the end of this age on earth uh starting after he is through in seven years this um this world will go into a thousand year reign of peace reconstructing the planet getting everything in order when the true messiah jesus arrives and kicks out locks up all the bad guys including the antichrist that's kind of you know a, an encapsulation of the the scenario you're asking about yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I'm really open-minded about it. I mean, I don't consider myself a you know a Christian. I you know I'm 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 just I guess I'm open-minded and I'm kind of confused, but I consider myself really spiritual, and I I realize that there's a supreme creator, and I I really realize I realize there's power in the name of Jesus. So, but I I think like a lot of people have been like, you know, I I I, I guess I want to say hoodwinked by the church because. It, a lot of us grew up Catholic, and then there was that big thing that came out about the priests. And and this isn't Jesus's fault; he didn't do this, you know. And then a, a lot of people came out with stuff, and they said that you know uh, the story of Jesus uh, wasn't real or, or whatever. They say that um, he is, he was the same as Krishna, as Mithra, as Dionysus. And okay, but th if you look it up, he was really Yeshua ben Yosef. Or people say, I'm not sure. I don't know. This is what I hear. And he was a, a real rabbi or a real teacher. So there's a lot of uh, confusion. There's a lot of disinformation. And there's a lot of um, misunderstanding when it comes to religion. I think a lot of people are just kind of where I'm at. They're just kind of like where they're confused. A lot of us saw the Sumerian tablets and, they, you know, the Anunnaki says that, that they, they created humans. I don't know if that's this human race that's going to come back. So I know that was a lot there. But what? What are your thoughts on what I just said? Well, in the Anunnaki uh, uh, tablets mentioning there in the Sumerian gods, um, these, in my opinion, based on a lot of study, um, are the fallen ones, the ones who were kicked out of the heavens. There was a war and it's finishing up, but there was a war in the heavens between pro-God and anti-God uh, factions. Now, Lucifer or Satan led one faction against, you know, God, the creator. And that battle has now been almost finished. It's coming down to the surface of the earth for the conclusion of it, so that the collateral damage from the, the, the war or the, the judgment of them will be here on the planet, not up in the heavens. And let me, let me also set the stage saying that, in my opinion, that we have the universe that we can perceive, and it's a virtual universe created inside of another universe where 
God and the other heavenlies live, and that we were created expressly for the purpose of resolving this conflict in the heavens, trying to overthrow the established order. Um, a simple way to um, identify what is evil in life is if it creates chaos, if it's not in harmony with you know, the order of things, the established order of the ages from God. So chaos is the opposite of order. And, and that's what we're gonna be seeing more of. Right now, you can see that in that definition, the whole planet is uh, in evil uh, behavior because of the chaos everywhere. And it's gonna get worse. I agree. It's, 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 it's getting really crazy. And I think a lot of people are scared because, you know, you know, people are stocking up on food supplies and doing this and that. But I, I figured this way, like if it's something's going to happen, it's just going to happen. I have no control over it. No matter how much food I stock up. I, I mean, like, I, I don't really want to, I, you know, but um, what I'm saying is uh, I'll get, I'll get off that in a second. What, what your thoughts on who this human race is, that's going to come like, do you think that, that is the fallen, the Anunnaki? Do you think they're the ones that are going to come back with the alien god and say, we're, we're the ones together that are going to take away the Illuminati and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they will have, uh, they will have uh, reptilian DNA. Um, the, they will be fair-skinned, um, taller than the average human, uh, looking somewhat like uh, the uh, Nordic race, uh, as I'm sure you're aware of. Um, in the sunlight, their skin, you know, up close will look like it has an oil slick on it because it'll have these rainbow uh, like patterns on it, which are from very tiny scales that lay a different way than our skin cells do. And that's, you know, that's probably the reptilian DNA that does that. But they are going to be the bad guys. They're going to come posing as angels, messengers of light and uh, peace, love and harmony. Now, I know that you said you were raised Catholic and a lot of people were. Uh, whether it's that or whether it's um, Hindu, Hinduism, uh, you know, uh, uh, there are uh, there are a number of religions where people have been raised in them from birth, and so to break free of them is a difficult thing because the whole the family and community, you know, practice these beliefs. And the thing that uh, I found strange with the the Catholic faith, or you know, from the Vatican primarily, from the the popes, was that. The common man was not allowed to read scripture. He, he didn't, he wasn't smart enough to read scripture and understand it. So it always had to be read in Latin by, you know, a, a priest or the Pope himself. So that denied you as a, as a Catholic person, the opportunity, the freedom to go and read and understand the scriptures for many, many uh, generations. And now, of course, the, the Bible is out there, so there's no excuse for the Catholic people that want to find out the truth of the Bible to go get the Bible and, uh, and read it. Um, I would think that the Douay version is probably not the best, but certainly, you know, the, if you can read Old English type language, uh, the King James Bible or the New American Bible, and research these things that we're talking about here and understand that in these last days, the, the head of the Catholic order or the Vatican order will betray the flock. He's, he's already doing it now. And, and remember, in Daniel, interpreting the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, who saw a big giant, you know, with uh, various levels of him, made of metal and brass and iron and that kind of stuff. He did say at the end of this age that there would be two revived Roman empires appear and they would each have uh, five sub-kingdoms within them. Now, to recreate that, what happened to the Roman Empire, uh, to their judicial system, whatever? They were, they were collapsed, and everybody thought Rome was gone. They went to, they, didn't sorry. they go to um, Constantinople and start the Catholic Church, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, Robert. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know that, I guess, but that's true. And uh, so the Roman Empire hid within the... the uh, the Catholic uh, Church, I guess it's a religion, but um, that's not what Jesus wanted. He knew that, that this deception was starting even before he died, and um, it was a frightening thing to him to think that so many of his sheep would be lost to this deception. But we're at least now able to 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 help a lot of people who can read and, and they are alive today to get through to see through the deceptions of the. Uh, the revived Roman Empire in, uh, in it's going to be in Turkey, I think, and it will have five nations to the uh, west, the old Western Roman Empire up into into Europe, 
and five nations to the east into the Middle Eastern uh, uh, leg of the Roman Empire. And so the Antichrist will probably rule from there in Turkey, in, in Istanbul perhaps, but uh, somewhere in that region. Uh, I'm reasonably certain anyway, but um, that's another part of the discussion about identifying the, uh, the pointers, the clues to who this Antichrist will be in our time. Now, interesting enough, um, the, uh, when the Apostle Paul was talking to the people of Thessalonica, and he said, he was talking with them, they said, look, uh, this terrible thing, this Antichrist, this, this emperor of the world, he's coming and, uh, you know, um, how, how do we know that we haven't missed the boat in this rapture of catching off with the church to safety? I mean, you know, is he here now, you know? And uh, Paul said to them, he said, look, um, the Antichrist will be revealed, but you will not see him. You will be gone before that. You and all the believers who have sworn their allegiance to Jesus will have been taken to a place of safety before he is revealed. Maybe at the instant he's revealed, but it, it doesn't say that. It just says before he is revealed, the man of sin, you will be taken to be with Jesus to form a new army, uh, you know, that will come back and destroy the imposters that will have taken over the planet at that time. Um, it is happening. I mean, it's, we're seeing a number of people in the Middle East uh, and in Europe or Turkey particularly, and one or two here in the United States that are qualifying to be this Antichrist. Now, all of these may be wrong guesses. The Antichrist might be a total surprise to everyone, um, but because of the various clues that we've seen in uh, writings of uh, the Bible and, and, and uh, writings even of Nostradamus, I mean, a lot of people that are Christian don't, don't uh, support Nostradamus, but I'm saying that he was a tool for the dark side. He did get a lot of prophecies correct, but he was fed them by Satan himself. And one of the interesting ones that, uh, that Nostradamus was fed was on the Antichrist of this age. Um, saying that his name would be Mabus, M-A-B-U-S. And, you know, I did a number of studies with various people I was looking at in the Middle East, and there is one prince, and the Bible does say that there will be a covenant made between Israel and the many nations around, and that the prince who signs that covenant, not necessarily from Israel, but the prince who signs it will be the Antichrist, and the Antichrist will be a prince before he takes over. Now, in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is kind of the lion in the room, you know, the giant, the elephant in the Middle East for power and religion. They financed uh, people that came and knocked down our twin towers. And yet we still do business with them and sell them weapons and things like that. Now, the prince of that is Prince bin Salman, S-A-L-M-A-N, Mohammed bin Salman. His father, King Salman. Uh, you know, uh, recently took the, the throne, probably in the last oh, eight years. Now, their their family name is Solomon in English. Solomon, S-A-L-M-A-N is the way they translate their, their spelling into uh, English now. But uh, it's to do with the ancient legends in the, the Saudi legend of a powerful king named Shalmaneser. And he lived and, and uh, conquered nations and things before the biblical King Solomon was born in Israel. Now, Mohammed bin Salman, Prince bin Salman, is he's formed a, a, a group of nearly 40 nations now in the Middle East, and he's formed an Arabic Union, AU. His initials, which are used, by the way, in the, uh, uh, the halls of power there in, uh, and in the press, his initials are MBS. If you take MBS and drop in Arabic Union, the, the start of both of those, you have M-A-B-U-S, Mabus, the Antichrist. Now, I don't know that that is conclusive proof to me, but in the uh, uh, Revelation, um, in, in the Bible there, where they talk about, uh, well, the, who the Antichrist might be, and people looked at uh, King Solomon, as being a very wise person, and people will look at the Antichrist as being a very wise person. Now, interestingly, when uh, King Solomon was born, um, his name was supposed to be Jedediah, according to the the uh, the, the priesthood of Israel at the time. And Nathan the prophet said uh, his name should be Jedediah. Well, King Solomon, you know, 
uh, was was born to David and Bathsheba. If you remember the, 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 the case of David and Bathsheba, David had her husband sent to the front of a battle and killed. And then uh, he married Bathsheba and had a child, uh, a couple of them, but anyway, Solomon. And so she said to David, look, uh, you know, I want to name him Solomon. In Hebrew, they call it Shloma. In English, they've called it now Solomon and many other languages. And I suspect the reason she wanted him to be called Solomon or a variant of that was that in the Arabic legends, Shalmaneser the Great was a great and mighty king and she wanted to name him after that instead of his proper name, Jedediah. Now, Revelation 13, 18 in the Bible, it says, here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, the Antichrist, for it is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and six. Well, most people look at that as counting a number on your forehead and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's fine. Where in the Bible was the wisest source that was a man? Solomon, King Solomon. How much gold did he get from tributes and earnings a year? 666 talents of gold. Now, oh, wow. Okay, you see what I'm saying? The, the, yeah. He's telling you that his name, his number, et cetera, is Solomon. And here we have a race of people, or you know, or a family, the Ben Solomon family, um, in the Middle East, gaining huge power amongst all the nations, and even trying to put a, an agreement in place with Iran to, you know, calm them down and not attack Israel at this point in time. So, uh, Mohammed bin Salman is um, a loose cannon. Um, you know, uh, he's he's virtually the king anyway because the king is you know sick and ill and can't uh, attend many formal functions and things like that. But at the moment, he is a prince. Uh, and the uh, Abraham Accords have been trying to get the countries of the Middle East together to form a treaty with uh, Israel now. And there are three or four nations that have already signed. Uh, others are lining up to do it. Now, should Israel nuke Iran or some of their facilities because of their, their threatened attack on Israel now? Should that happen, the world will panic, thinking Israel is going to start World War III with this nuke. We, we must uh, calm Israel down and make peace treaties with all the surrounding nations so that we don't have this happen. At that point, yeah, there will be someone sign that treaty for the countries who will be a prince. And I suspect it will be Prince bin Salman, Mohammed bin Salman. There is another guy. There is another guy who's dead right now. And... Uh, there are things you can interpret in Christian prophecy about the Antichrist receiving a head wound, dying, and becoming alive again. So I'm not ruling out uh, General Qasem Soleimani from Iran, who was killed by you know a, a drone attack. A that drone ago. strike, yeah, I heard about that. I remember that. Yeah. Um, do you think like it, it? It seems like everything's heating up. Like it seems like, um, you know, uh, obviously, I mean, Taiwan, China wants to make a move on Taiwan. Russia makes wants to make a move on Ukraine, and you know what? Like I might, I might not be. I was, I, I didn't really want to talk about politics more, but I, I do want to get into it because, like, I, you're a specialist at this, and I, I want to see what your opinion is. Like, do you think they these countries are trying to make a move on these countries because they know the U.S. will interfere and they're trying to pull us into a war, or do you think they're bluffing? Or do you think, or do you think we have the power to beat them? Or what, what are your thoughts? No, we don't have the power to beat them now. This administration in the White House, the illegal administration, in my opinion, has so weakened um, the American psyche and resolve to be American and do the right thing, and has so weakened our military and our armed supplies to our military uh, that we really don't have a strong military left, and um, the. The Russians and the Chinese will invade the United States. They, they may be using this situation in uh, uh, Taiwan and, uh, you know, in Ukraine as a method of stirring up, you know, public sentiment here to support uh, an attack against them by the United States. But the, the whole plot here in the United States, the behind the scenes thing, is to turn us into a socialist state, state into a, and then into a communist state. Everything that is happening has been well uh, planned, and I suspect they've been using artificial intelligence to, to you know, computers to, um, to plan their attack on the United States from so many different fronts that we don't know where it's coming from next. And we're confused and frightened and um, will not make good defense. In fact, 
I suspect very shortly that we will have an uprising, an armed uprising in the United States from several places that will try to overthrow this illegal government of the country. At that time, it will then cause the government or let them say it caused them to declare martial law and start arresting people and chaos will follow. And while we're fighting amongst ourselves, it's even worse than where we are now as far as being able to defend ourselves. While we're fighting amongst ourselves, foreign powers can come on in and just walk in and take us over. Um, yeah, we, we, we got to fix that. We got to figure out something like, and I think it's talks like this, like this, I may not be able to put this on YouTube because it'll get censored, you know, but you know, you know I talked to you about that, but I think it's more important that even if I put it out on my audio platform, that it just gets put out because I know that the government isn't, you know, I know, I know Biden's not, it's, it, I know it's the deep state. I understand that, but we have to find a way to, and I'm not saying we should go for Biden. I, I know that's wrong, but where do we correct this so we can stay America? I mean, America hasn't even been an empire for that long. If you want to consider us an empire, I mean, since what, 1783 or is that when we declared our independence? So it's only been about 400 years, you know, if not even 300. I mean, uh, if you think about ancient empires, they lasted much longer than that. So, I mean, that would be a really quick, outing and i thought that we our country maybe meant more than that in a historical perspective we have our our um, population has been so diluted with uh, illegal immigration and with um, strange policies being taught in the uh, seminaries and in the educational systems that it's just confusion there's no national pride left as a majority here there are a few of us but we're in the minority um, yeah. we cannot stop this we can try you know, we can uh, try to remove people that have taken the White House and the government by force, but this will not work and not doing anything will not work. We're darned if we do and darned if we don't do something. Um, you know, I. that's why you, you hope the good Lord is doing what he said and he's going to come back and, and grab his church up first to form, you know, the rest of the army that's going to come back and defeat Satan in the Armageddon crisis at the end of the seven year period of tribulation. That's why we, we hope for that. But if we if we've misunderstood prophecy, then we're going to be here with the rest of everybody else and um, must make ready to uh, be mobile and to lose all of our property because the coming communist structure in this country is going to get rid of private property and uh, hence get rid of a lot of us. I just don't understand how Americans can be so anti-American. You know, they grew up here and they were raised in this country and they're they're even the older, a lot of deep staters are, 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 uh, are, are, you know, they're older, so they're not like the young generation that would be against this country, but they are against this country. And that's so weird. So they're either in China's pocket or Russia's pocket, or they just have a disdain for our country. And I don't understand why, because, you know, America's pretty great. If you don't, if you don't, understand, people don't understand that we have it pretty good. And, um, you know, okay, our country's had some false flags. I understand that you know, um, the CIA has done some pretty horrible things. I understand that. But at the end of the day, we're still Americans. Like, I think a lot of time, I mean, like, you know, I mean, people look at 9-11 as like, as like um, a, a false, we don't know. You know what I mean? I wanted to get your opinion on that. What did you think about, because when you mentioned Saudi Arabia, this takes me back to the, how the Bushes were real close to uh, the Saudi Arabia and then the whole 9-11. And I was alive for 9-11. I was 20 years old. And I, I just remember it. And they, they, they put on this national patriotism. Like we had to go to Iraq and get Saddam. And, you know, Saddam thought he was the reincarnated version of Nebuchadnezzar. And he had Enki, the, the Sumerian, Anunnaki on his bill. I don't know what he what that was saying with that. But um, I know that was a lot to unpack. What, what were your thoughts on 9-11 and, the, and, the, and Bush and the Saudis and everything? Well, I think the Saudis uh, did finance the uh, the operation of 9-11 on the towers, whether the royal family was directly involved in it's another issue because at the time the royal family was different. The ones in power were different than the ones that are in power now. Um, but I, I wouldn't trust the Saudis you know, as far as I could uh, see them. I mean, just, uh, no, they're, they're the bad actor in the Middle East and, um, you know, they they eventually are going to want to take over Israel like the Iranians do. What is happening in the Middle East at the moment is you have on one hand the Saudi Arabians, 
on the other hand, the Iranians, and in between a lot of other smaller uh, member states, which are uh, Muslim primarily, but the Saudi version of Islam is different than the Iranian uh, version of Islam. And so the Saudis and the Iranians are been at loggerheads, you know, hating each other. Now then, overtures are being made behind the scenes between Princeton and Salman, Saudi Arabia, and the leadership of Iran to get together and form a coalition of friendly Arab states over, you know, overlooking the difference in the way they interpret the teachings of uh, Muhammad. Um, this is this is concerning because even though Israel has a lot of nuclear weapons and some other interesting types of nuclear weapons, um, they can't hold off you know forty Arab states, but they can do a preemptive strike on Iran if Iran starts to, to launch missiles that are known to contain nuclear warheads. Now Iran doesn't have to produce its own nuclear warheads; they can get them from Russia. They can get them through various uh, arms dealers. Um, so when they launch, whatever the source of their uh, nuclear weapons were, when the Iranians launch, the Israelis are going to have to take down the missiles and strike at their missile uh, depositories. Now, the one that has been typically used for weapon storage in Syria by Iran is Damascus. What and about Israel, Hezbollah and Lebanon? Yeah, but it's not the amount, the size of the ones that are in uh, Damascus Syria. and Syria. Lebanon's on the border, the north border of Israel, and it's too easy, too convenient for Israel to spy on what's happening in the Lebanon and send teams in should they need to there. The big operations had to be done in remote sections uh, of the Middle East, and certainly Damascus is in a remote section surrounded by, uh, you know, partially failed volcanoes and uh, deserts and hot, you know, terrain uh, it, it's the perfect place for Iran to store and to develop, uh, you know, missiles to take it over into uh, Israel. And, you know, when you look on the map, it's only a three minute journey by air or something for a missile to leave from Damascus and hit northern Israel, Tel Aviv, you know, Haifa. Um, now, the Bible does say an interesting thing about Damascus. Overnight, Damascus has become a ruinous heap where no one will live again. Now, there are two ways I see that can happen, by an act of God or by an act of, say, Israel. Um, the area does have a lot of fizzled um, volcanoes. They're like heaps of, um, you know, rocks that are like black rocks, magma rocks and blown up, but not like a big volcano oozed up and, and solidified and become these heaps of, you know, black granite type rock. Now, if one of these were to erupt under the city of Damascus and be bigger and cover it and make it a ruinous heap, that might be one way that an act of God could do it and no one could be blamed for it. On the other hand, it is more likely that Israel will have to strike the munitions uh, deposits that Iran has put into Damascus and overnight uh, it, it will be destroyed by a nuclear bomb. Um, there are some interesting types of bombs that will do that, but I suspect the type that will that be used against Damascus will be one that is typical, melt the buildings, burn the buildings, just totally destroy everything. But see, down this, is where, this is where, where I have to, this is where, where it would make no sense for Israel or anybody to do that. This is, this is why they, they can't get so hot-headed because that radiation from Syria would boil over to their own country. They'd be hurting their own citizens for years to come. They'd be hurting the whole region because the radiation would just just hurt people so bad. I mean, think about it. We get radiation from our phones that can hurt us. I mean, not to mention a nuclear weapon. And I just, I mean, like, do you think they would think ahead of time? But I guess. Yep. Yep. They Look, they've looked at this and they don't want to do the, the, the nuclear option, but the prevailing winds on Damascus and it's up and, you know, over to the northeast of Israel, the prevailing winds are going to take the radiation into other Arabic countries. Uh, and there are ways to minimize the amount of uh, lingering radiation with uh, nuclear devices and with them, well, big fire bombs, I guess would be another way to say it. But um, Israel has to do something because it, it is no secret, it is in the press weekly. Iran says, we want to destroy Israel, in particular Jerusalem. We are going to destroy you. We're going to wipe every Jew off the face of the map. Now, 
and when you see them talking about it and then developing weapons that can do it so quickly that you hardly have time to defend yourself. I mean, you know, Israel's a little narrow strip along the coast there, 17 yeah. miles. Yeah, you the, re know. the reason why I, I've, I've always had a lot of interest in the Middle East is um, I'm, I grew up, I'm part Lebanese, but my dad, he was Lebanese, but he was in Vietnam. He was American, obviously. My grandfather was in World War II. He was American, but we're just Lebanese Christian. You know what I mean? Like, but we're Americans. Yeah. So we've been here for four, five, gener four generations. You know, my, my great grandfather came through Ellis Island, you know, and then my mom's right. Greek, my mom's Greek and Italian, but I've always had interest in like my Lebanese heritage, you know, like I eat the food and like, you know, and if you look at that country, it used to be more Christian. So did Syria. They both used to be more Christian. Like they used, there was a point where they used to call Lebanon the Pearl of the Middle East. Um, not, not anymore, you know, and um, I just wish people weren't so hot headed. I wish Iran would not say we want to destroy people. I mean, when you look at it from a perspective of an outsider, it's like, how could these people be so childish that they want to destroy each other? It's, it's, I mean, it's all over religion. That's what it comes to. And if you're fighting over religion, then what is your religion saying to you? Like, your religion can't be that. Well, you're, you're actually fighting over territory as well in the Abrahamic uh, passing of the torch to uh, the Israelis, you know, to Israel. It, instead of, uh, you know, to the uh, Arabic sun, um, the Arabs think that they should have had the birthright of the whole Middle East rather than, you know, Israel. And so they've been fighting a territorial war for thousands of years. Yeah, I know. Well, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, I wish it just, I just, I just wish we could all get along. You know what I mean? Hey, Robert, I agree with you. And talking about Lebanon, uh, a few years back, I was over in the Middle East. Um, I say a few years, probably, let's see, uh, 17, probably 38 years ago or so. Is that right? Hey, you know, 89, 11, about 33 years ago. <clears throat> and I was uh, staying at the prime minister's kibbutz up in the north on the border to um, Lebanon. And um, I remember going to sleep uh, that night uh, that we got there and uh, getting up the next morning, feeling very refreshed, you know, and looked out my window down the valley between Northern Israel and Lebanon. And uh, the army uh, escort I had there came in and says, uh, last night, 200 Christians were killed in that valley there. You know, the, the Islamic forces killed the, the uh, Christians there in Lebanon. And, uh, wow. uh, you know, I felt, I felt really strange having had such a peaceful night's sleep while just in, within sight, 200 people were murdered uh, for their faith. That, that that's what's been going on forever and i think that's why i said like it used to be a, a lot more of a christian country like i even when i was growing up you know I, I i you know from what i heard like it was a it was and then now it's more predominantly muslim it's like the but, um that's this is why i just i can't I, I i don't like religion because it's so because it causes wars and i realize they're fighting over territory too but a lot of it has to do with that the the, the where you know everybody worships and and i i just don't like it i just i, I don't know i just, um i wanted to switch if we can i know we i took up a lot of time talking about this but i think it's important because i think the more that we get it out maybe we can have a chance to help america like maybe people in the world will hear this and they'll want to come together instead of fighting you know maybe they'll have some brains and, and not want to nuclear explode each other because that's just bullshit man you know what i mean like maybe yeah. Somebody in China or Russia, I mean, I'm sure the Chinese and Russian people are just like us, not their government, but the, the people are, they don't yeah. want war, yeah. you know, it's the government yeah. heads, you know, and it's, 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 it, this is why the, something biblical needs to happen or some, some kind of, uh, some, something good needs to come along to wipe, wipe out this corruption that, that is going on all over the, the world, you know, I Robert, don't know. Robert. What you're saying, what you're asking for, is what this deception is going to give us. You know, it's if you haven't studied the the ancient writings and know that there are going to be two landings, uh, you know, of uh, off-worlders, extraterrestrials. First one claiming to be good and wonderful and helping us to get rid of all the corruption on the planet and bring peace, will be like everybody will think, well, hey, that's it. You know, uh, we're we're home safe and wow. How do we organize the planet? into the way you want it to be peaceful and you know it's a very hard argument to make when that starts if, if we're here saying look don't believe this 
they're doing the right thing, being nice and all that kind of stuff, like in the movie V, but this is a deception and, you know, they're going to end up killing you unless yeah. you take the mark and the number and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, because it'll be the mark of the beast. And and if you look at what the little greys have been doing for like 40 years of abducting people, I, I cover UFO abductions a lot on my channel. And some, I've had a guy, I had a guy come on today, I interviewed him today, and he compares them to demons like he says they can change they can wear different masks if they want to appear to you as a ufo or as an alien they'll appear to you as that and they they're doing it to uh take parts of the soul for some reason they want to they want to uh they want human dna i don't know if that they they, they want to they they're constantly taking semen from men and eggs from women it's been for 40 years they've been doing that and I don't know where, where all these hybrids are going. I mean, have you ever had an interest in that? Did you, what did you think of that? Yeah, yeah, I know. The, the hybrids, in my opinion, are uh, a part of trying to destroy the gene pool, the, the DNA that God infused into Adamic man in the Garden of Eden. Now, Adamic man is different than the hybrid beings that were uh, created by the fallen ones in Atlantis, which was you know, the coast of it was where Lebanon and Israel are now, and the rest of the Saudi Peninsula was the rest of uh, Atlantis. But over in the city of Gades, which is uh, on the east side of the Jordan River, um, that was the name given to one of the, uh, the kings, the sons of Poseidon that ruled Atlantis. And they, they were making hybrids that made uh, the Greek gods legends, you know, like Hercules and uh, like... Um, the uh, giants, uh, you know, in fact, there were giants left in the land after the great flood. That's why God had uh, Moses tell, you know, Joshua, take your troops into, into the promised land and go to these, these tribes and kill everything in that village, every animal, every person, every baby, everything, kill them, get rid of the DNA because they're all part of this corrupted human DNA. Like King Og, he had a 13 foot bed, right? And then if you read about that, and then there's the land of the Anakim. Which is weird because the Anakim sounds a lot like Anunnaki. That could be the land of the giants yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't, yeah. don't know. Well, a lot of the giant territory under King Og has been buried in magma overflows from 13 volcanoes in that area there from the Golan Heights and down into northern uh, Jordan area. Um, that's why we don't see a lot of that. But um, yeah, there, there are attempts being made by Satan, have been for, for generations, to corrupt the human genome so that there were no uh, beings left alive that could house the Holy Spirit, which God he says he will indwell you with it. But if the DNA is not right, it won't work. And in this fight between Satan and the and God that created everything, um, Satan realizes at this point he's about to lose and he's trying to do everything he can to hurt God and hurt the numbers of people that could be harvested to be in the kingdom of God by corrupting their dna and by corrupting their minds and you know and teaching them stuff that that ruins their minds so they can't think independently about creation and about what it's all about i mean uh, you don't have to have the bible or the quran or any of this kind of stuff if you just sit and watch nature you can see there's an order to things, things yeah you know and and there had to be an intelligent design to this and that's that's the god it's like the, the flower of life, and I don't know if you ever get into sacred geometry and the flower of life and um, the golden ratio. You ever hear all that stuff? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, like it, it all makes sense. Like there's, a, there's, a, it's, it's definitely intelligent design. I believe that for sure. Like, and I, but, um, I wanted to ask you when you were over in the Middle East and you, you were looking for Atlantis, like, what made you decide that that part was Atlantis? I'd love to get into that with you. I know we don't have a lot of time, like. I just want to talk to you about the Atlantis and the Garden of Eden because I think it'll be really interesting for my follow my listeners. Like, and and I think I, it's it's something that interests me a lot. Like, how did you know that those places were what they were? Like, how did you put it together? Robert, it's a, a long story. Um, I first of all, as a, a, a physicist, I looked at the uh, the age of the Earth the age of the universe, found why it was not lining up with what uh, uh, modern science says and the Bible says, why there are differences in that by huge magnitude. And in doing that, it led me to find that put the earth all back together into Pangaea when all the continents were together and great rivers ran through this continent of Pangaea, uh, which would eventually split into the various continents we have today. Uh, 
And other studies I found that the Earth's diameter had expanded from where it was at the, you know, after it was created, um, that the, uh, the planet was expanded due to an impact of a large uh, asteroid I found over in the Sea of Bengal uh, on the east coast of India, the Kutapa region. And uh, this hit the Earth and caused the crust to break, just the crust. And it caused the crust to flip around 150 degrees so that north was south or almost south. East was west, west was east, that kind of stuff. And um, so at that time, which is where the flood occurred, I started to build a picture of the timeline of things that existed or allegedly existed on the earth and things that we saw. And um, you know, I discovered things like there was evidence in South America from the children's toys that had been carved in stone showing children playing with uh, dinosaurs. Some of the friendlier ones. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this it's look it up it uh, for them to be alive when dinosaurs are alive this is interesting and, and i've actually laid in a fossilized riverbed at glen rose texas where i laid inside of a big print a footprint of a big big dinosaur and that's amazing but on the right side of that footprint was a human footprint at the same time that was solidified in there and, and since i laid in there that time they've now scraped off the rest of the escarpment by the, the riverbed there and they found out that the human and the, the dinosaur walked alongside each other in, in, in that fossilized record. Now, okay, this makes our timeline, you know, the billions of years of the age of the universe and the age of the earth, that's all wrong. And we found out why, because in the, the way we measure the age of the universe and things is by a radioactive process where we, we, we measure how long it takes for argon or carbon or various things like that to decay. And we know their half-life and we can work backwards and say, okay, then this piece of stone or, or that piece of uh, material, living material, um, was, you know, was laid down uh, two million years ago or something. Well, this determines, uh, the thing that determines that rather, the factor is the speed of radiation, uh, you know, electromagnetic radiation like light and, and other things. That speed is used in determining the half-life, you know, the decay rate of the things that we measure, the age of things with. Well, the speed of light, the speed of electromagnetic radiation propagation in the universe at the Big Bang was 10 with 60 zeros beyond it, 10 to the 60th power faster than it is now. So that radioactive decay at that time occurred so much faster that these billions of years we're saying di didn't occur. We're talking in uh, maybe hundreds of thousands or less years. Because, so the dinosaurs were like uh, like sh way shorter in our timeline is what you're saying. If I'm, oh yeah, definitely, absolutely, no question. Wow. Look, look up look, look look up this on the internet. Look up Barry Setterfield, S E T T E R F I E L D, good friend of mine. And um, for years we we would talk at midnight when everybody was asleep by phone when we were in Australia together, and then he moved up here. Uh, we talked about his work in finding the age of the universe by the decay rate of the speed of light and electromagnetic radiation. You got the charts there, you got the equations there, and he's gaining support now in some of the more liberal-minded or open-minded physicists saying, you know, he's right. And be, now they base everything on the speed of light now. Well, he even shows you in the last 300 years how the speed of light is still decaying and slowing down. When you work that curve backwards, it becomes an exponential curve from the Big Bang till now, where the speed of light is kind of leveled out here, well, okay, what does that mean? We're judging in the scientific community, the established one, you know, the, the cathedral of science, they're saying that since the speed of light is fixed at what it is now, and it's not, but they're saying that, then we can prorate events and radioactive decay and all that kind of stuff at the speed of light as it is now, not as it was at the Big Bang and in between at 10 to the 60th time, you know, power faster, um, it just skews all of their findings and, and, and deductions if they don't apply that exponential curve, the decay rate and the speed of radiation. Anyway, it's, yeah. That, that's it's, amazing. Uh, I can, now I can see why you worked on, uh, why they, they had you working on uh, UFO craft as, as early in the, as you did, because like, um, and which we didn't even get into that. There's so much we didn't get into. Like, I'd love to have you back on the show again because, like, when, when you have more time, I know you have stuff to do. Like, um, because I could, I still have a bunch of stuff I wanted to cover with you. And it was my fault because we went into 
all the politics and stuff. But I guess that kind of goes along with the whole alien deception thing. So it's not like a total. It's not. It's just what we had to cover. And I think it's important to get that stuff out. But I'd love to sit and talk with you about history and and stuff sometime because like Robert, I, sure, we we can do that. Um, the uh, sometime later later in January or in February, uh, as you say, this month is pretty busy for us here, but um, yeah, let's do that. And uh, don't apologize for getting off track because discussing these things is like following rabbit warrens, you know, tunnel leads there, tunnel leads there, and back to there and up down. And, you know, it takes several hours to kind of cover the majority of them, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So thank you again for coming on. And oh, how, how can um folks find your website and stuff? And how can they find you? Well, uh, same way you have, you look at uh, standeo.com. That's S-T-A-N-D-E-Y-O.com. And uh, that's our homepage that Holly takes care of uh, updating six days a week. Um, then on that site, you'll see a link to what's called show images where I weekly put up uh, images that I talk about on the Hagman report. And those are all archives. You can listen to a lot of the shows and discussions I've had there, uh, just by going to our homepage. Um, there's another homepage that you can link to from that one. It's more for my other business over in Kansas, which is the EMP shield company that, uh, Tim, Cardi and I formed to help protect people against the MP attacks. But um, yeah, it's all there. Uh, I, I, read, I read about, I heard about that. You were talking about like a solar, like a solar, there would be a solar problem as well. Is that correct? Yeah, solar or nuclear both. The solar one is the worst one. When the, when it, uh, when the sun emits coronal mass ejections and flares, super flares, uh, at, and Earth-directed ones at, at around the equatorial region of the sun, it can cause worldwide blackouts of and frying of electronics. This happened in 1859, you know, when we didn't have all the electronics except maybe telegraph wires. And even then it caught fields on fire and burned the telegraph operator's fingers from the high voltage because that lasts for hours. It's not something like an EMP pulse from a bomb that lasts a millionth of a second. These things last for hours and they cause fires along the power lines. Well, they will when they get now. And we've been watching the sun every day now to see what's happening this solar cycle. It's it's doing something really worrying because it suddenly burst into activity in the early stage of its 11-year cycle. Uh, and we're seeing a number of you know flares coming our direction, uh, glancing blows and whatever. But uh, um, we've had uh, out of the C, M, and X class, we've had several M class flares. When they get to the X class flares, that's the one that can destroy the electronics you know of civilization and we have had one of those that missed us oh 10 12 years ago an x45 flare so watch the sun i, I we update that on our standio.com if there's something urgent we put it there and i'm going to show him this page because you know we get about a two-day warning before this kind of stuff hits us but there's no defense except shielding of the electronics and of your home, you know, power line. You don't want a, a huge 30,000 volt charge coming into your wall and catching your house on fire and of course, destroying all your electronics. So this yeah. is what we've been trying to prevent. And we help the government entities uh, to do that as well with our key uh, military facilities and infrastructure. That's awesome. I, I you know, I got to look into that because like, you know, I, I think it's important. Um, yeah, I think it's really everything you do is real important. And I, I want to thank you for taking your time to talk to me. I, I really think you are a legend. And even if we have like different views, I think that's the whole point is that we can come together and talk about them. And I think I think that's to conclude. I think that's what people in America need to do, even though we're up against it. And I realize we are. We I think we need all need to start communicating more before shit goes haywire. I mean, what do you think? I think so, Robert. Um you and I, like other people, uh, we have uh, different opinions about what caused this or what we should do and whatever, but we still need to come together and to form an opinion. Now, there's an old Jewish proverb that says, if you have two men in a room, uh, ask them a question and get the opinion, you'll get three answers, one from each of them, and then their joint answer together. And this is what we're talking about, coming together with a, a common goal uh, based upon our different viewpoints. We merge together to get the final result so yeah because i mean the people of the world like i talked about before the people of israel the people even of iran and and it's everywhere they're not they're like us they're not like the governments it's the governments who are corrupt you know 
and even you know our government's I, I mean i know we, we've been lied to it's just it's crazy like it's 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 so they're sorry i could talk to you forever man like you're a legend I, i'll get a hold of you in a couple months because i'm i'm full till the end of february so but i'll get a hold okay. of you because i'd like to have you back on if you're not busy in march and, and we're still <laughs> around if this earth hasn't evaporated yeah. by it yet you know big if yeah you know, you're talking about uh, Lebanese food. Um, when I was in Australia, I had a, a Lebanese uh, family that I was friends with, and they had a delicatessen. And they used to make some of the most wonderful grape leaves wrapped um, dolmas. Grape leaves. Yeah, they call them, in Greek, yeah. they call them dolmates. Because my, my mom's right, Greek. Dolmates, yeah, right. yeah, my mom's, they make Greek people make them too. My, my grandmother was Greek and she used to make them. And then my other grandmother we married, my mother grandmother was Irish, but she married a Lebanese guy, so she learned how to cook all the food. So right. I'm, a, I'm only really like a quarter Lebanese, but I'm a, I'm a big mix. I'm like Irish, Lebanese, Italian, Greek. But I think that's the best thing is then you get so many different cultures. That's the best thing about yeah. America, right? Yeah, you do. You, know? you do. But how, how did you like Australia? Well, it was interesting. Um, West Australia, like more than the Eastern states, uh, they were already starting to go socialist over there. But uh, West Australia was like the old days of Texas. And, uh, you know, um, we had uh, good common sense over there, farmers and ranchers and uh, miners. Um, yeah, I liked it. Um, but there were th some things like they treat the women as uh, second grade uh, citizens. Like, um, you know, when, when I met Holly and brought her down to Australia, we went into a bank account at our bank to get some shopping money. And so um, she, we had to join account there, right? So she gave him a check for $100, give us some money to go shopping with. The woman, teller, went back and got the money, came back and moved Holly aside and gave it to me because I was the man. <laughs> you think, I, I think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I'm not. I, that's, that's horrible, that's horrible. That really is. And women weren't supposed to have a mind, you know, and uh, you're supposed to go talk about your begonia garden or something and nothing important. Uh, it's changing. But uh, at that time, it was the, the women just didn't didn't rate. Um, yeah, I would open doors for, for women, move chairs out and stuff. And I was an anomaly down there. It was it was odd. Um, when we first came back to the States in 2001, I was amazed. I'd been away for 30 years and uh, I went to a local like Walmart. And uh, first of all, I was amazed at how many things were available, how, many how much stuff was there. But <laughs> as, as I was about to leave with what we'd bought, this little old lady that was ahead of me opened the door for me. Okay. <laughs> and and I, I, I thought, wow, how cool. That's America. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> That's so, what's the best part about America, right? The, yeah. Yeah. Of... And uh, so when you say, how did I think about Australia? Well, it was an interesting place to be. I learned a lot, did a lot, but uh, yeah, I'd rather be here. That's so. why I'm hoping our, our country really continues because there's so much great things about America. I wish we weren't enough for because I see so much great in this country. You know what I mean? I really do. I mean, like it's one of the, it's the best country to live in, I think in the world, because we we have so much freedom that we don't even realize you know like it, it, have you yeah. been overseas have you ever been overseas no i haven't i I've, I've been born and raised in america like i said my dad was american he was in vietnam yeah. my grandfather was in world war ii my grandfather was a prisoner of war in world war ii he was oh, yeah. captured by the germans and he was released by the french and now he was part lebanese but he was he was born in america but still like you'd think that they would treat him differently well, because of his uh and he was hey he had an american soldier's uniform on but he was released by the french of all people the french saved them and uh he both my dad and grandfather i don't say this much but they both had problems because of the wars you know like they uh yeah you know they uh they paid a price for it like you know my yeah. dad told me stories about vietnam where he was guarding the tower and he walked away into relieve us and some guy relieved the station that got blown up as he was walking away yeah. It, was, it was it was real over there, you know. You know, the reason I asked you if you'd traveled overseas was because um, I think that we, in different days and times, we should have made um, young people, whether they're college uh, students or whether they're just that age, uh, take a mandatory six month trip overseas to some country and see what we don't, what they don't have that we do have. In other words, uh, 
get out of the country and see how lucky you are, you know, how blessed you are. Um, knowing all this stuff, I mean, I've traveled to Africa and the Middle East and, you know, uh, New Zealand and around all kinds of places. And uh, it has done nothing but make me appreciate and realize what America offers its citizens. Yeah, yeah, it really is great. I hope we can pull it together. You know, I really do. And maybe with these podcasts, I'm, I'm going to put this out at least on my audio platform. I put it out on eight, eight platforms and I put it on Spotify. You know, I want to get it out to people so like they can hear this. And uh, maybe we'll, we need a we need a re, 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 revamping of national pride. I mean, it's hard because like there's been so many false flags. And if you look at like stuff with like the CIA did and the false flags, and some people say Vietnam was a false flag. Some people say 9-11. I mean, there's so many conspiracies out there, but there was a guy, I interviewed him. He wrote a book called How Conspiracy Theories Ruined America. His name's T. Cruos. And he might be right about some of that stuff. Maybe some of the conspiracies are um, are uh, too much. You know what I mean? Like that, And that's the hard part to, do, to, to, to decipher, like what's true and what's not. You know, it's hard to, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard yeah. uh, when 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 it becomes so convoluted and and lying becomes the norm. How do you know who's telling you the truth? Uh, exactly, exactly. It's well, sad. Well, I'll leave it on on that note. But um, it was so nice meeting you, sir, and thank you for taking the time. And I'll get a hold of you, and we can do it again. Okay, Robert. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, you very much. Now. You too.